Hey, how's it going, everyone? Welcome back to the Indiana Daily Student IU Men's Basketball Podcast presented by TIS College Bookstore. It's Cameron Drummond here coming at you from inside Franklin Hall alongside Ben Portnoy and Murphy Wheeler, the Indiana Daily Student Men's Basketball Reporting Crew. Guys, we we're just back from Thanksgiving break. How was everyone's time off? How's it going? Busy. A lot of stuff going on, even though it was a Thanksgiving break. Right, like week off is kind of a marginal term for, for us us journos, right? I ate a lot of stuffing. Um, mm-hmm. I ate a lot of stuffing both. I'm sure you did. Both at home, both at the Indiana-Purdue football game on Saturday. Yeah, there was, there was a lot of stuffing to be had. I you got, caught some stuffing. Uh, Stuffing's good, though. Stuffing that, is an underrated game. side dish, in my opinion. I, I'm I'm a big proponent of stuffing. How's it? Uh, I I agree. I on, like stuffing. On the note of stuffing, how's everyone's Thanksgiving? Good. Spend some time with the family. All good. I had two Thanksgivings. Oh so. wow! Look Ooh. at you. So I went to my family's and then I went to my girlfriend's family's and Ooh. it was. I ate too much. Yeah, sure. it's all right. That's I think I think we all ate too much. I think that's going to be a consensus around the table here. Yep, definitely. Always. I was definitely uh, hurting a little bit when I uh, went to be- <laughs> went to bed <laughs> Thanksgiving night. Well, anyway, uh, turkey and stuffing aside, uh, we've got a big game coming up Tuesday night. We've got IU uh, taking on the Duke Blue Devils in Durham. Cam and I will be there. Um, let's uh, before we get to that, we'll have uh, Mitchell Gladstone from the Duke Chronicle later on in the show, but. Uh, let's, before we get to that, let's talk this last week, week and a half, and uh, kind of what we've seen from this IU basketball team. And uh, we, we've seen a lot. Fra- we've seen, we've seen very, a lot, and frankly, most of it isn't pretty. Um, some very interesting. Let's use interesting as a yeah. That's probably the best way yeah. to put it. Since we last spoke, IU's gone two and one. Uh, the loss at Arkansas, and then the wins over uh, UT Arlington and UT Davis that were definitely a little more adventurous than we uh, might have originally. Feels like that loss prognosticated. Ar- feels like that loss at Arkansas was almost a billion years ago. After I, seeing the way that they kind of slogged through some home wins against Texas Arlington. California Davis. Yeah, let's just start with that. I mean, let's start with the Arkansas game. What maybe stuck out to you guys? Um, what maybe, you know, obviously it's the first ro- true road test for this team, and obviously they're going to get a hell of a road test this week against Duke. Um, but wh- what what did you guys kind of take from that game? What did you see? Well, I mean, i tell you what. I don't think they played that bad because I do think Arkansas is a good team. Uh, they did show, IU did show their weaknesses with guarding the post because Daniel Gafford was unstoppable. I mean, absolutely unstoppable. They had nobody to guard him, uh, not even Deron Davis or Evan Fitz or some bigger guys off the bench. They couldn't really do it. Gafford had, I don't even remember how many points he had, 27 um, and 12 rebounds. And going back to a week ago, this is when Deron Davis was still just coming back, you know, playing regular game time from his Achilles injury. So I guess that factors into it. But like I don't think he would have been able to do it either. Gafford went off. He looked like a first-round draft pick. I mean, he may be a first-round draft pick anyway, but he looked like one in that game. Yeah, so, I mean, that definitely showed their weaknesses there. Um, And, again, I don't think they played horribly. Um, I thought they did some good things, but – they also did not finish well, um, obviously, um, with the way the game played out. And there was a lot of mistakes, a lot of things that went the wrong way there at the end of the game. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit. But there's got to be – they've got to be better at that. And I know it's early and this is a young team and there's a lot of stuff going on with this young team with, when it comes to injuries. But that is something they've got to shore up by the end of the year, um, especially once they get into Big Ten play, which is coming in very hot. We'll talk about injuries here in a second, but Murphy, would you say that that Arkansas game was, I mean, obviously they lost it, right? So was it the first time we really saw the impact of not having guys like Devontae Green and especially Zach McRoberts out on the court? Yeah, this was was the game where it shows that they do need these guys back. I think Marquette was, 
I'm not going to call it. A, it's not a fluke. They played really well. Yeah. They showed the Marquette almost beat Kansas. Be. Right. right. This is a Marquette. This is a right. Right. This is a good Marquette team. A very good Marquette team, and they and IU played just about as good as they could. Um, but they did so without two of their main players, and I think that is why it's a little bit of a fluke because they can't keep doing that. You know, they can't keep having those kinds of games, um, and this Arkansas game showed that. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of was. I actually, I think I expected a little more out of this. Uh, not expected more. I think I, I was of the belief that this was going to be a tough test, and I think this is a pretty good Arkansas team. Yeah. I mean, this is, a, this is a deep SEC, and I talked about it a little bit earlier in the season. Um, I mean, this is an SEC that could send eight, nine teams to the tournament this, this year. I mean, it, this Arkansas is, could be like the seventh or eighth best team in the SEC. Well, and, and when you, I'm, you know, I'm looking at preseason predictions right now, Arkansas was picked as like, you know, 10, kind of the 10 to 12, 10 to really? 14 range, which frankly really surprised me because, like you said, Daniel Gafford might be the best big man in the SEC, yeah. let alone he could be the best big man in the country. I mean, he he looked every bit the first-round pick that we, we kind of expected to see. And that was something that I really took. I mean, it was – I think it was – this is not an IU team that's going to defend the post super well throughout this year. Um, I think that, you know, they don't necessarily have the bodies. For all the length that they have on the wing, they don't necessarily have the height and uh, sort of breadth and, you know, size on the inside. Um and in that, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Gafford's a guy who's going to get their points. They're also not going to see a guy like Gafford outside of maybe an Ethan half the rest yeah. of the year. Yeah. Um, so, you know, who could kill who, who's, who's a great player in his own right. Yeah, absolutely. And has, you know, Wisconsin, now you always has trouble with Wisconsin. But um, I, I think that for what it's worth, I think that this is kind of a one-off game. I think that IU played they didn't play terribly for a first true road test. It, it, there were encouraging signs, but I think it was a really sloppy game. Um, would, you, think, would you say it's an encouraging fact that Indiana didn't play their best and still probably should have oh, won the they, game with the Durant this was, tip that it I mean, like, if you put this on, like, a, you know, 100% scale of sort of where IU played, they probably pl- played at, like, you know, a 75. Right, and they were still probably, right there with the final And they possession. still, frankly, probably should have won this game. Yeah. So, like, you know, when you put it in that context, I think that this is, a, this is an encouraging game, even though you lose. And I think it's a little bit... I think there's something, too, being a young team, and Duke got it on the other hand, losing to Gonzaga and Maui, right. but I, I think there's something too as a young team kind of getting smacked in the mouth a little bit early in the season. It kind of it's a little bit of a wake up call. Um, although unfortunate, although for better or worse, didn't seem like much of one this week. But um, you know that, that's kind of Arkansas, and then you know the last that's like you said, Cam feels like a hundred years ago. But right. talk about, <laughs> this week has been. I, like, I don't even really know how to characterize this week because it's just been kind of bizarre. Um, obviously, we've always been out of town doing doing things and being on break. But right. um, beyond that, just, you, you know, this is <laughs> – IU played too tight. I don't know if that's the right word. But just weird games against yeah. uh, UC Davis and UT Arlington. Um, what, what did you guys kind of see in that? What, I guess, I don't want to say – what impressions do you take from it, so to speak? Well, so when you look at the box score, Indiana recorded a pair of 14-point home non-conference wins. Like, it seems not super adventurous. It seems, you know, mundane and boring enough. But when you look into actually how the games were played, and if you watched any stretch of the Texas Arlington game or the UC Davis game, you know how much of a struggle it was for IU. They, they, they 
I mean, for having a 17-point lead at halftime against Texas Arlington, they played bad in that first half. They struggled to put away the Mavericks in the second half. They led a bunch of three-pointers. They looked really lax defensively. And then against California Davis, they didn't lead till there were less than six minutes to go in the game. The Aggies, who came into Bloomington with a 1-5 record, basically dictated everything in the first half. We saw basically Rob Finnessy's worst game as a Hoosier so far. Still ended up with, I think, maybe a decent amount of assists at the end of the game. Looking yeah, eight at, assists. Yeah, looking at the box score, eight assists. Only scored two points. What two points? Looked very hesitant driving into the paint. Uh, we saw some real problems from Indiana closing out opponents at the three point line, especially against California Davis. We saw some real issues with not only their interior defense, but just you know getting anything inside beyond Jawan Morgan, who really carried the Hoosiers to both victories. Uh, Murphy, I don't know if you want to jump off this. You've yeah. kind of championed Morgan a bit in some of your columns in the early part of the season, but. Man, if Juan Morgan's not on the court, then Indiana probably has, trouble. probably has two really embarrassing non-conference home losses on their schedule already. Yeah, and the thing is, I mean, they struggled offensively down low other than Morgan. But, I mean, he had some shots from the outside, too. You can see his went kind five, of went 5-7 on three-pointers right. against the Aggies to basically win the game. But here's the thing. They, went, they gave up 50% three-point shooting to UC Davis. They went 10 for 20 from the three-point line, and that's something that they can't do. I mean, that's that was problems they had with mid-majors last year, too. You saw that against Fort Wayne. You saw that against Indiana State. You saw it happen, and now it is good to see them kind of pull away with one of these wins when that maybe wouldn't have happened last year. Right, cause I think a team that shoots 50% from three-point range, even like a mid-major like that, probably would have beat IU last year. Because Indiana went on a 26-6 to run in the final six minutes to right. open up that huge gap against California Davis. And that's why it's good to have guys like Romeo Langford, Rob Fennessy, young guys they didn't have last year, weapons they didn't have last year, plus you know improved players like Justin Smith and Al Durham. Um, you know, obviously that plays a big part in it. But, you know, the thing is it's hard to take a lot away from these games because, again – the injuries, it's just unbelievable right now how many people they have out. Um, and I, I really don't know exactly. I don't get what's going on. I mean, I just, it's been unbelievable how many guys have been hurt. The injuries are kind yeah. of the ultimate uncontrollable. And obviously, you know, it happens. And IU has been <laughs> certainly been. And you can't been, use it as an excuse, though. No, I, I mean, you, you can and you can. I mean, I, I think there's some validity to it, especially with this team. I mean, what you really see is how much this team, I think, misses Zach McRoberts. Um, Absolutely. I think, you know, McRoberts is a guy that catches a lot of flack because, yeah, he doesn't score a lot. He doesn't put up a lot of shots. But, like, what he does on the defensive end is huge for this team. Oh, yeah. and, he, and he's kind of a calming presence um, for this team not, not in, in kind of the same way that Juwan Morgan is. And, obviously, Juwan Morgan is more of an offense – a thousand times more an offensive threat, but I think that he, he's kind of a stabilizing figure. And I think the other thing too that really sticks out to me, and and kind of has throughout this these these first couple of weeks is just, I Justin Smith has just not impressed me in the way that he I thought he might. He's got four double digit point outputs um, in the in the six games that I just played. He had thirteen against UTA. He had 11 against UTC Davis, but I feel like he hasn't. And but some of this is by design because he's not the primary scorer. He doesn't have yeah. to be, but I feel like he hasn't necessarily. He just like he's scoring, but he's not scoring in the way that maybe I thought he would. Or just like he seems very kind of all over the place. He's very hit or miss. 
He had a rough Arkansas game. Yeah, he had three points against Arkansas. It barely went, played went, second went, half. went one for six. He's and 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 I will say the last two games he went five for eight and four for seven from the field. So he's he's getting better. He's you know he's only he's missed a handful. He's missed a bunch of free throws, which isn't great. And that mostly came in that Arkansas game and and, and the first game of the season against Chicago State, which is what it is. But I, I don't know. I just feel like I think this is a position where Justin Smith can really grab a foothold and sort of. Live, I hate using the word live up to, but kind of, you know, come close to kind of what we expected from him this year. Um, and I think that he has and he hasn't. It's been somewhere in between, and I think he's been really hit or miss, and I think that that's kind of... If Indiana's going to deal with injuries for a while and, you know, yeah. it doesn't seem like Jerome Hunter's anywhere close to being ready, um, nothing official on that. But We've seen a hesitancy to play Clifton Moore and Jake Forrester. Yeah, Clifton Miller. Moore and Jake Forrester. Clearly, Archie Miller's not confident enough to give those guys a run. So, Justin Smith's got to kind of become that number, de facto number three guy behind uh, Jawan Morgan or Romeo Langford. Yeah, for sure. And I think you have to see that out of him. And, you know, he's got to... I saw something happened in that Arkansas game with him. I don't know what happened in the second half, but he barely played down the stretch. And I remember there was a part where Archie Miller got pretty mad at him, and he kind of sat the rest of the game. I don't know what happened there, but there, Arkansas was a weird game for Justin Smith. Well, this is actually perfect because after the UC Davis game, one of the media members asked Archie Miller, hey, Justin's not doing a ton of things statistically. Um, are, you, are you trying to get him to embrace the stuff that's maybe not in the box score as much? And kind of paraphrasing Archie Miller's quote, he basically says that he hopes that Smith can be a guy that Indiana can continue to trust defensively. He wants them to focus on uh, you know, getting to rebound a bit better, getting to run in transition a bit better. He did have a big three-pointer in the closing stages against California Davis, but really Archie Miller's kind of focused on how he's doing a decent job in the front court, but wants Smith to be better closing down the three-point line and running back when IU turns the ball over or gets a quick bucket on offense. And that's the thing. I would like to see Smith play a little bit bigger. You know what I mean? Yeah, he needs to play bigger defensively down low because they need that, obviously. Uh, Morgan can't do it all down there. He's not Morgan's not big enough to be able to do it against everybody as well. Um, and I just don't think Davis is kind of losing his, you know, his minutes down low, and Fitzner can't do it either. So Smith needs to step up in that part, and absolutely needs to step up rebounding wise as well. Everybody needs to do that. So Smith has some things that he definitely needs to prove on, and it is all about just playing bigger. It's not to say he's playing terribly. I mean, no, he's playing, he's not. playing he's fine, not. but I think that there's there's a little bit. I think it's a little bit more remains to be unseen with uh, with Justin Smith. Right, yeah, we've kind of talked a bit about Justin Smith now. Um, we're not going to spend too much time talking about the guard play because even on bad nights like he had against California Davis, Romeo Langford still comes up with 20 points. Obviously, Juwan Morgan is the heart and soul of this team. And while Al Durham and Rob Panacea have had their moments of struggling during this non-conference period, you still would like to think that they're young players and they can mature and maybe round down to their roles. Rob Panacea, especially as a freshman and how good he's been to start the year, you know, you're prone to you know let him have a bad game here or there. But someone that you just touched on, Murphy, that I want to talk about a bit, where has Evan Fitzner yeah. gone the last three games? I mean, we saw him, not a career performance, but obviously the best performance of his young Indiana career, Cam against Marquette. Yeah. He lit it up from downtown, even showed some tenacity on the defensive end. But especially against UT Arlington and UC Davis, he was really ineffective. In his last two games, the only buckets he scored have come from the free throw line. He's shown some real weaknesses in the post, not only receiving passes and then turning the ball over, but also just trying to match up with guys on the other teams who frankly aren't as athletic or even as tall as he is. Yeah, I mean, I honestly think he's a liability defensively. I think that's his biggest problem. Um, you know, which we all kind of we all kind of suspected, understood that, but it just never. But really, it's, it's just, I think it's just it's really starting to show. manifest itself right now. Yeah, and he can't he can't do that either. Again, with everybody out with little depth, 
He's another guy that has to step up here, and he just hasn't. He has not stepped up in these last few games, and I, I don't know what the I don't know what to say about that. Obviously, he's a great shooter, but he hasn't been hitting shots these last few games either. Well, guess it's the thing. If you're a great shooter and you're on the court as like you know, we talk about Demezzi Anderson as a three and D guy, and he's playing less minutes than Fitzner. But if you're on the court as a shooter, your job is to make shots, and right. if you're a defensive liability and you're not making shots, then your you can't play. whole purpose of playing is kind play of gone. You can't play a game. I mean, that's simple as that. And, you know, that's what that's kind of where Fitzler is these last few games. Now, it's a two, three-game stretch. It's nothing to get too worried about. And, again, when these other guys come back, he's going to be able to fit into his role a little bit better. He's going to be able to kind of figure out what kind of minutes he's going to be playing here and there. Um, you know, I thought he had to play – I mean, obviously he has to play a lot more in those few games where he was playing really well. Um, but obviously when you bring a guy like him into the team, you're expecting to, you know, compliment him and work him into the rotation, into the tremendous depth that Indiana had. I mean, there's no depth right now. The funny thing is the season's only a couple weeks old, but before the year we were all, you know, championing the death, the death, excuse me, the depth that Indiana had on the team. It may feel like death now because so many guys are going out (laughs) hurt. Um, we've basically seen a seven, eight man rotation. The Indiana bench has been basically non-existent the past three games because you're it looking was at, non-existing as you see Davis. Because you're looking at guys like Anderson, Fitzner, and when he was healthy, Deron Davis coming off the bench, and that really is a place where Indiana got killed against UC Davis, and that's got to be a real potential concern against Duke is just the fact that beyond that starting five, if you know guys like Green and McRoberts don't come back for that game Tuesday night, then Indiana is going to have to literally have all five starting guys combined for whatever points, rebounds, assists they're going to total. Yeah, and as much as I rag on Devontae Green, he's obviously a huge missing piece right now because he's going to give you scoring off the bench, and they don't have any of that right now. If Fitzner's not hitting shots, nobody else is really there. They had zero bench points against UC Davis. Zero. That's not – I'll tell you right now, that's not good. Uh, But Fitzner played 11 minutes. Davis played six. I think Davis's role, we're starting to see it diminish already. I think Arkansas game was the beginning of the end for him. Anderson, once these other guys come back, I don't think he's going to be getting a lot of minutes. He'll probably be getting about five or six a game. He's, that's just kind of his role this year. So they've got to have something here. They've, and that's where Fitzner really, that's where he needs to step up. And that's where they really need these other guys back. One, one last question I want to pose to you, Ben, before we yeah. go to a break here. Jawan Morgan's played 76 minutes in the last two games. He played all 40 against California Davis, only sat out for four against UT Arlington, and obviously he was still you know, a pretty um, active presence in Indiana's opening games to the season. Uh, for a team that wasn't supposed to rely on him as much this year compared to last year, it feels like he's still kind of carrying the team, at least in this recent three-game stretch. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. He's playing that many minutes, you know, with... In games that really he shouldn't have to play that many minutes, um, it's a little bit, uh, I don't know if disheartening is the right word, but it's something that maybe uh, Archie Miller and company didn't necessarily expect, and I think you look at it, I mean, he had 31 points against UTC Davis, right, and in a game like that, you really shouldn't have to have someone go off for 31 points to deal with a team that's 1-5 out of the Big West. It's, you know, nothing against UC Davis, but this is an Indiana team that has higher aspirations, it has, you know... That, that has said, you know, we want to compete for national titles. We want to compete for the Big Ten. And, and I think that if they want to do that, you can't be struggling in games like that. Yes, it's an early in the season. Yes, it's a young team. Yes, they're banged up. So there are, there are plenty of valid excuses there. And, you know, it's not, that not as a cop-out for this team. But I think that, I, I think that there, are, it, there are outside factors at play that definitely have sort of led to these early results. Um, 
that aren't necessarily uh, kind of what <laughs> what the IU uh, faithful have uh, kind of wanted, sort of expected out of this team. But um, you know, it's it's early in the season. It's been it's been a wild week. Wins against a team like Duke can cure a hell of a lot of ills. So uh, we'll, uh, with that said, we'll, uh, we'll we'll take a quick break here, and uh, on the other side, we'll have Mitchell Gladstone of the Duke Chronicle uh, to preview preview the Blue Devils and Hoosiers uh, Tuesday night in Durham. But with that, we'll see you on the other side. TIS College Bookstore has been outfitting generations of IU fans for over fifty six years, and we have the largest selection of IU apparel and gifts in Bloomington. Start your holiday shopping with 25% off one regular priced apparel or gift item at iugear.com when you use promo code IUBB. If you're in town for the game, stop by TIS and show us your athletic ticket stub and we'll give you 25% off one IU sportswear item. TIS College Bookstore, representing everything IU. And we're back here on the Indiana Daily Students IU Basketball Podcast. I'm Ben Portnoy alongside Cam Drummond and Murphy Wheeler. Guys, we've uh, got on the line Mitchell Gladstone from the Duke Chronicle uh, men's basketball report beat writer there. Uh, Mitch, thanks for hopping on with us. Yeah, always glad to be here. Good time. Good, good long friend of mine. Yeah. Um, so glad, glad to do you a favor and excited for a big game on Tuesday night. Yeah, full disclosure, Mitch and I go way back. And what is it now, 10, 12 years? Jesus. Yeah, I think I think. Ten and a half, almost now. So yeah, yeah. back while. back in the glory days. Well, anyway, now that we're uh, marginally adults and doing things <laughs> that people listen to, uh, let's talk Duke IU. Um, obviously, a big game coming up at Cameron Indoor. Cam and I will be there on Tuesday. Uh, Mitch will also be there, obviously. Um, Mitch, what 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 are your early impressions for this game? What do you kind of see matchup wise for I guess from the Duke side? Well, I'll tell you, I think this is going to be a a huge test for Duke in terms of their response. Obviously, uh, there was a lot, a lot, a lot of hype coming out of that Kentucky game. I mean, everybody watched them, saw how much they dominated, and then you know people thought, oh, they're just going to run through Maui, and they ran into a buzzsaw um, against Gonzaga. Gonzaga played probably about as good of a game as it's going to play, and obviously they don't have Kelly Tilly. Um, so for me, I'm looking at this game to see how Duke responds to a loss. Um, they've got a lot of young guys, a lot of really talented young guys. Um, but Indiana is obviously, as you guys can talk about, is a great team. Um, and I think it's going to be a huge test for them to come in um, to Durham and for Duke to be able to respond and bounce back from what was probably a frustrating loss in a lot of ways, but also a really good experience for them. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned the youth, and I'll just kick it off here. But, I mean, talk a little bit about, obviously, you know, Zion Williamson draws the uh, – draws a lot of headlines, but I mean, just, you know, obviously you've been able to see him in person a lot. What what just strikes you about him? What sets him apart? Yeah, there, there are a lot of things that I really enjoy about Zion Williamson um, beyond all the highlight reel stuff. Um, I think for number, I think one is he's just, he's a very smart guy. He knows how to play multiple positions on the floor. Duke talks a lot about positionless basketball, and I, I don't know how much it really plays into when they think about what they're doing on a game-to-game basis, but I will tell you that it does apply to a guy like Zion Williamson, who is very capable of catching the post, very capable of shooting a three, even though he hasn't done a ton of that, and he's very capable of bringing the ball up the court when they need him to. Um, So it's a guy that has a lot of smarts on the floor, knows how to play a lot of roles, Um, but I'll be curious to see how he starts to play when teams have gotten a little more film on him. You're seeing 
keeps be able to scout out a few weaknesses about him in terms of he's not great off the dribble. He has a tendency to turn the ball over, maybe dribble it off his leg or whatever. Um, I, we started, we, we saw Gonzaga throw a couple double teams, right? either Gonzaga or Auburn throw a couple double teams at him. So things like that are going to be things where once teams begin to get a little more film on him, they might be able to actually expose some things about him. Um, and so that's what I'm curious to see how Zion, you know, learns and grows as a player because he's clearly got a lot of physical talent to just dominate people, and I think there are going to be plenty of games where he does do that. Um, but against good teams, um, there are going to be some things where you can test him and you can go right at him with a little bit of help, of course. Yeah, hey, Mitch here. It's, uh, it's Cameron Drummond here. And kind of going off that point you made about Zion, you, mean, you look at the stats, he's averaging basically a double-double a game so far this season. I think one of the key matchups for this game on Tuesday is going to be Indiana's interior presence. Guys like Deron Davis, who's Indiana's kind of you know main center guy, along with Juwan Morgan, Indiana's star power forward. How do you think maybe Zion could respond to going up against a guy like Deron, who is a bit more of a physical presence defensively, and also a guy like Jawan, who's a bit more of a scorer, who's better at rebounding necessarily than getting in there and blocking shots? Yeah, well, I think, I think the answer is if, you know, teams that throw size at Duke are going to make the Blue Devils have to shoot from outside. and They haven't been great at it. I mean, the numbers are somewhat inflated, so they're on the season they're 36% of the team, um, but most of that's been pretty much carried by Cam Reddish, uh, who's 19-44, good for 43% from beyond the arc. So I think what's going to be key is to see how – Duke plays a little bit um, on the outside because we know what they can do on the inside. And the fact of the matter is they've gotten a lot of help um, from Marquise Bolden, who has really emerged. I, I don't know if you guys remember him, but he played a, one of his better games, actually, of his first two years at Duke. Last year in Indiana had been a really nice hustle play late in the game that helped the Blue Devils eat past the Hoosiers um, at Assembly Hall last year. And he's really turned it on. So I think if... Duke can get some help on the inside, they'll probably be fine. But if Indiana puts up a good fight on the inside, which I expect them to do, it's really going to be incumbent on Duke to shoot the ball well um, to be able to generate some offense when they're not in transition. Because the fact of the matter is, when they're in transition, this is a really hard team to stop. But when they're not in transition and they're a half-court game, they look like a very young team. Right. Hey, Mitch, this is Murphy Wheeler. Um, just kind of looking at the matchups, I don't know how much of IU you've gotten to see this year, but they do struggle a little bit guarding the post down low. Do you think that is one of probably Duke's uh, strengths as a team? I mean, you think Bolden could get a few more touches this game? Um, obviously, Williamson, Reddish, those guys can get touches in the post as well. Do you think that's maybe the game plan for them to go inside more this game? Well, I'll be really curious to see because obviously Indiana's got some good post players. And one of the things that we saw last game, was Gonzaga threw some more athletic big guys out there, and Marquise Bolden couldn't even stay on the floor and do man to man defense. They had to take him out basically midway through the first half, and he really never saw the floor again. So I'll be curious to see whether Duke can, you know, put some guys in the post. Um, but more so on Duke's offensive side, they're going to run their sort of five-out motion, a little more uh, free-form offense. Um, you won't see too many set plays. It's mostly screen and cut. Um, and they've got some athletic guys. Jack White's another guy who you'll see six foot ten, nice shooter, but really puts in a lot of effort. And I think him, Javin Delorier, another six foot ten guy, those two sort of will be able to do some different things that I don't think Indiana's seeing. And I'll be curious to see if they can generate some type of offense down low because I mean the fact of the matter is if you go back and look at Duke's last game, 
last play of the game, R.J. Barrett drove and got blocked. But what a lot of people missed was he had Javon Delore wide open in the post. Could have been an easy dump off and a dunk to send the game to overtime. So I think Duke is going to throw some different sort of post looks um, at teams because they don't really have a true big man. And uh, that'll be interesting to see how Indiana's size matches up with that because I know it's sort of a different style of size, if you so say. Yeah, Mitch, we've heard a lot of stuff, obviously, about Zion. I'm sure a lot of people in kind of like the national media has done, you know, a lot of stories on him comparing him to LeBron as well. But obviously, R.J. Barrett is the guy who's actually leading this Duke team in scoring. What has he brought so far to the team, and how do you think he's going to kind of, you know, perform on one of the biggest stages of his young career so far? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I've been impressed with certain things about R.J. Barrett and sort of interested about other things. I would say interested is probably the best word I can say. Not necessarily disappointed. Um, the guy is just a high-volume shooter. I mean, he has 125 shots. Duke of the team has taken four, 411. So you can do the math on that. I mean, the guy is a high-volume shooter. He needs the ball in his hands. And look, he makes some really, really nice plays. He's talented. In some ways, he does remind me a little bit of Jason Tatum and the fact that he's got a very smooth, polished game. However, he's still very young. He has a tendency to four shots. You saw Duke put the ball in the hand, his hands at the end of the last game, and he missed five shots in the last minute, was blocked three times. Um, so he's a guy that is going to have his ups and downs. Um, I do think it'll be interesting to see if Indiana can give him some experience on a, on a terms of a matchup perspective because that could be a challenge for him. And we really haven't seen him look, you know, great or horrible as a defender. Uh, and so if, he, if they put him in some interesting defensive matchups, we'll see how he does. There's still a lot of things to be learned about him. He's clearly a guy that knows how to score the ball. It's a question of can he do it efficiently on a consistent basis. Yeah, Mitch, I guess one more question I've got for you is kind of, you know, you mentioned, you know, the Zion Williamson's, the Cam Reddish, the RJ Barrett. Um, just like, obviously those guys are kind of going to get their points, so to speak. I mean, if you look at it, you mentioned a guy like Gavin Delore, Javin Delorier, rather, uh, Jack White. I mean, are there any guys that you see as maybe... I don't know. I don't know if X factor is the right buzzword for it, but are there any guys kind of maybe outside of that initial three that you see making a big impact in this game? Yeah, you know, look, Jack White's been really, really impressive. I mean, he's now averaging seven, nearly eight points a game, um, and that's nothing close to what we've seen uh, from him his first two years at Duke. I mean, he's a guy that's just put in a ton of effort, a ton of work. Um, I, it's He's really matchup dependent. Um We've seen some games where he's been really able to stay on the floor and been a great guy for Duke to have as sort of a X-factor type. And we've seen other games where he, like Gonzaga, where he really just doesn't seem to match up well, can't fit into the offense or defense, and it just doesn't work. Another guy who maybe he'll break out at some point is Alex O'Connell. Um, he's really getting limited minutes, just like 10 minutes a night. But the guy has a great shot. He's 6 of 13 from beyond the arc. Um, he, I mean, that's most of where his shots are going to come from. He's not a good defender, uh, just being blunt. He is really poor on the defensive end, and that's why he's not playing. Uh, but if he does play and begins to find some defense, that would be a really you know interesting guy to see because he would add a whole other dimension and give Duke some outside shooting. Like I said, I think that's going to be key for teams that know how to play defense, and I think we know that Indiana's got the experience to be able to play the defense, you know, obviously last year they had Duke score 91 points, so I don't know how much that factors into this year's matchup, but 
the point is that if if Indiana throws some good defensive looks, it'll really be incumbent on Duke to shoot the ball well, and I, that still remains an open question in my opinion, at least. All right, Mitch, just kind of to wrap it up here, uh, we kind of did this when we talked with a beat writer from Marquette earlier this season. Do you have a, a score prediction for Tuesday night's game and kind of a rationale as to who you think comes out on top? Yeah, I, you know, I don't have a I, – I, I can't give you a score. I, I I never seem to be able to pick a score right for basketball. It's not like football for me. I, I, think, I think this is a game where Duke probably wins by 10 or 12 points. I You know, maybe they win by a little bit more if they can turn it on, but – the fact of the matter is Duke does not lose games. They haven't lost a non-conference game at Cameron Indoor uh, since 2000, and I, I have a hard time seeing that streak come to a close. I think as much as I have been impressed in the little bits I've seen of Romeo Langford, um, you know, it's a really tough atmosphere for a young guy to come in, and I just think Duke's playing at a level. And they're so, playing at a level. They're going to respond, and they're so talented. I, I just don't see the upset coming. Um, give give me Duke by a dozen uh, on Tuesday night. Cool, cool. Well, Mitch, thanks for joining us. Uh, Cam and I will uh, see you Tuesday, and uh, I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll talk before then. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks, my man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. We just heard from Mitchell from the uh, Mitchell Gladstone from the uh, Duke Chronicle. Uh, some nice insight there. Let's talk about this Duke game a little bit. Um, what are your guys' kind of expectations? What do you guys think, uh, at least maybe on paper, we'll, we'll see this week this week, and uh, more specifically on Tuesday? Yeah, I think IU is going to go in. Um, obviously, it's one of the – well, it's the hardest place to play in college basketball. Um, but they're going to give it a really good effort. I expect them to at least. I think we'll see a better effort than we had the last two or three games. Um, because this is this is an easy game to get up for. I mean, you're playing... Well, you say that, but you remember the last time IU went to Duke was the 2015 season. Well, that was... A, I, don't, I don't even want to talk about that. That's <laughs> yeah, a that terrible a uh, brutal, example. Brutal game, but... Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, you saw them give pretty good effort against Duke last year at home. Again, that was at home. Um, but this team's a little different. Um, they got some young guys that are you know hungry. Obviously, Romeo is gonna he he Romeo's good enough to play right with these guys from Duke. Um, Jawan Morgan's good enough to do it as well. And after the UC Davis game, someone asked Romeo basically like, "Hey, how do you approach this game against all these five star high school players?" And he was like, "I don't look at them as five stars. I look at it as we're all college basketball players and we're all at the same level. So he's at least got that mindset. I mean, we wouldn't expect him to be starstruck by it or anything, but he believes he can ball with these guys, and he can't. He's shown that so far this season. Right. And I don't expect IU to go in and win. I don't expect that at all. I expect him to give them a good game, especially for the first half. I think it'd be really close. Um, I think it'd be close the whole game. Now, I do think a lot of it relies on is McRobertson Green going to be back? Um, because if they are back, then I think they have a very good chance of giving them a great game and be very close throughout the entire game. If not, it's going to be a struggle, and it could get ugly if they aren't back, um, even with a good effort. And even with a good effort with them back, I think it could still be ugly because that's just how good Duke is. Um, but if they have those two guys back, I could see them doing something pretty impressive. Now, guys, all of us cover Indiana football. Uh, I'm sorry to remind you guys that the season's over now. Hallelujah. But so many times when looking at Indiana football, they'll play those games, you know, at a Michigan, at an Ohio State, where, you know, winning is a really hard objective to actually achieve, but you measure success in different ways, whether it's by individual performances, whether it's by a collective team strategy, things like that. So, Murphy, my question to you is, what constitutes a successful trip to Durham for Indiana? You said you don't expect them to win, but right. what 
can the Hoosiers do to make you coming out of this game feel confident or more encouraged than at least their last two performances have shown? Well, they need to shore up a lot of things that they've shown weaknesses of. Um, they need to show that depth again. They need some guys off the bench to step up and play well. Um, they need to show they can do that again. Um, and they need to make it close. They need to show that they've got some, they need to show a better effort. Like I said, they need to show a better effort than they did at Arkansas. Um, you know, because that was their first true road test, and they showed, you know, why they lost that game. Um, and so I think they need to shore up those things, and if they do and they are impressive enough, I think that is a, a big positive. But I'm not going to rule out – I don't think they'll win, but I'm not going to rule out they can't win. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I think um, they should have all intentions of going in and winning, and I'm not saying they don't. But that it's all about a mi- – it's all a mindset thing at this point. Because um, Duke's a, they're a behemoth, you know, and this is a this is a monster you're about to go face. A unit, really. And they're an absolute unit, and uh, you know that you've got. But I do think if you go in with the right mindset, this could. I mean, an upset would be, you know, quite impressive, and that's obviously a positive. But there are some other things that can be taken as positives as well. I mean, for what it's worth, this is the third time Indiana's played Duke in the ACC Big Ten Challenge in the last four years. The other game was against Carolina. Um, they won that Carolina game. They won the Carolina game. It was also at Assembly Hall. Yeah. I, I think that this is going to be... I don't know. I, I, I think Duke's going to run away with this game. I think Duke doesn't... I think Duke's probably going to end up winning this game by probably 15. Um, but, but I think that... For Indiana, I mean, for a guy like Juwan Morgan, this has kind of been there, done that a little bit. I mean, he's played against Duke. This is definitely, I, I mean, this is far and away the most talented team that Morgan's probably been a part of. Um, but I think that the, this is a game that for a guy like Juwan, it, it isn't necessarily, you know, it's easy for us to hype up this game. Whereas for a guy like Juwan, who's been to, been there and played this kind of game before, it's not that big a deal. Um, there, it is a big deal, but it's not, you know, it doesn't have necessarily the same magnitude that maybe, uh, that maybe we put on it as a press corps. But um, I, I think that this is the kind of game that if Indiana shows up and plays decent, decently and, you know, puts up a fight and keeps it close through kind of the last, you know, through the till, you know, seven, eight minutes left in the half, uh, second half, um, I, I think that's a win. I mean, this is a young team that, like we've said, there's a lot of, there's a lot at play here. It's, this team's young. There's a lot of injuries. There's just a lot going on with this team. Um, and I think that because of that, IU kind of, they get a little bit of a, I don't want to say a pass, but I think that if they if they end up losing by, you know, 15, 18 points, it's not it's not something to, to freak out about and get get all distraught over. I think I think this is a team that, um, that, that will figure it out by the end of the year, but I think that this is a, this is the kind of test that I think is it almost comes too early to actually take anything out of it if Indiana gets blown out. And even if they play it close, I mean, yes, that's encouraging, but it's also a game that you don't want to jump on, jump to conclusions too quickly. I think it's almost a little bit of a worry if they get blown out. I think it is a little bit because I think this team should be talented enough to be able to go in there and give them a good game. Um you know, I mean, what what what's it say about your team? Even though it's early, and even though you're young and you're banged up, what does it say about your team if you don't? You know, the expectation is, well, let's go in and give them a good game. If we lose by fifteen, we lose by fifteen. You know what I mean? I mean, it's hard to. I'm not saying this is IU's thing. I'm talking about a fan base. Yes, that's, uh, that's not the Indiana basketball. No, that's, no, absolutely. That's not. the that's Indiana awesome. football thing. Well, that's true, <laughs> but no, that's not what the team right. mindset is. But as a fan base, I mean. I feel like you've got to have a little bit higher expectations. All right, all right, let's look at the primary characters in this game. We kind of talked about this with Mitch a bit. Do you guys think that Indiana can contain Zion and R.J. Barrett? 
The matchups are going to be tough. This is kind of one of those games that's just really a matchup nightmare for uh, mm-hmm. for Indiana. Yeah. I, I just think that, you know, Duke has so many ways that they can hurt you. And obviously, you know, uh, guys like R.J. Barrett, guys like uh, Zion Williamson, uh, Cam Reddish. I mean, and we haven't even talked about um, Trey Jones. So Trey this, Jones, yeah. This is, this is a team that has... <laughs> It's got guys. I mean, they, 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 I mean, up and down, and Duke always has, this is a, you know, this is Mike Krzyzewski's, you know, seemingly 1,000th year coaching, coaching <laughs> the Blue Devils. Um, this is a team that's got players and is going to be able to hurt IU. I mean, but I will say that, you know, when you look at, look at the size, and, you know, at least on paper for what it's worth, you know, Cam Reddish, Reddish is a guy at 6'8", 218. Uh, Zion Williamson is a oh my god! I just looked at the roster now. Zion's almost two ninety. Oh my Zion god! Zion is six seven two eighty five. Yeah. Oh but, my god! But you take that out. You even look at a guy like R J Barrett who's six, six seven two zero two. I mean, this this is size that Indiana has and can match up with when when healthy. Now that's a big if. But if that's, you get a if you get a guy like if Zach McRoberts plays in this game, I think it's going to be a lot closer than people realize. Um, I don't think Indiana's going to win this game, but I will say that if if he plays, I think it's going to be it could open some eyes because I think that Juwan Morgan match, can match up with with Zion Williamson. I think he's he's a little bit taller, not obviously doesn't necessarily have the same uh, same weight, but I, I but I think that Juwan Morgan is a good enough defender that he can match up with pretty much anyone on this team. Um, I I think a McRoberts at six 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 seven can match up with a Cam Reddish. Um, One of the big things, if you kind of go all the way back to IU's first non-conference, te- or second non-conference test here, excuse me, against Arkansas, foul trouble. If the Hoosiers get in foul trouble, yeah. that's, that's, gonna, a, that's the key. Well, that's going to derail all of these. The and thing. I think Marque- Mar- Mar- Marquise Bolden is another one to watch. Yeah, just he, because could, I think, he could eat alive inside right, just like he did I last mean, year. Look at, what he did, yeah. look at what he did against Gonzaga I mean, he had, and Auburn. I mean, he had two. Of his, he had, I think it was Auburn. He had one of his best games of the year. Um, best games of his Duke career, really. Um it, if he gets going, that's kind of so be it. I mean, this is a team that, kind of like I said, Duke's going to get their points. Um, but I think that if Indiana has a chance in this game, they've got to at least keep one or two of Zion Williamson, Cam Reddish, R.J. Barrett in check. They pretty much have to keep two of those three in check. Yeah, I think the Bolton matchup is extremely important because you look at the right from the start, the starters – I mean, I probably don't expect Davis to start, but they're going to need him to play a lot to guard Bolden. But from the start, who's guarding Bolden? Is it Jawan Morgan? Because then who's guarding Zion? Because they need Morgan on Zion. So who guards Bolden? Is it Justin Smith at that point? Could Justin Smith guard a guy like that? I don't know. That's the thing. We're going to need to see. We're going to need Justin Smith to step. We got to see Justin Smith step up and Deron Davis step up to be able to take on a role like that to be able to guard somebody like Bolden. Because I do think the right answer there is Jawan guarding Zion, but I don't know if Smith can guard Bolton, and that's the thing. I'm not really sure about that. And again, they need McRoberts because McRoberts is going to need to guard somebody like Cam Reddish or R.J. Barrett, and Romeo can probably take on one of those guys. I'm I mean, Ro- Romeo Lanford's 6'6", 218, 215. He can, I mean, he's a little bit shorter than Cam Reddish, but I think yeah. he can match up against J- and R- and R.J. Barrett. Well, the thing is, and, he's, and he's, not, he's not you know a defensive stalwart, but he's capable on the defensive end. Right, we've all been impressed... 
in the early part of the season how well Romeo's played defensively, especially in those opening two games, especially sure. against Marquette as well. But him I and Fantasy did a great tag team job on, uh, what was his name? Marquise Howard? Marcus Howard. Marcus Howard, excuse Marcus me. Howard. But, I mean, R.J. Barrett's a different animal. Yeah. Well, Al Durham him. played a lot on him as well. Right. Al Durham, I think, will be a big big piece of this, and I think he could make a big big impact on Trey Jones in the backcourt. I think you could sort of see a little bit of both he and Fantasy getting thrown at Trey Jones. Personally, I thought Romeo's defense against Arkansas was abysmal. I mean, that's personally my opinion. Yeah. I thought it was awful. But when you said personally, I kind of assumed it was your opinion. I'm just saying. <laughs> all right, so we've all kind of alluded to our thoughts. Um, you two have kind of given this already, but let's go around the horn here real quick. Murphy, Ben, and then myself. Um, score prediction, if you'd like, outcome, definitely, and a quick 10-second rationale of why what will happen will happen Tuesday night at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Murphy. Right, yeah, I mean, again, just like Mitch said, it's hard with basketball to kind of predict the score. Um, I, I maybe I expect something around the, um, I don't know the eighty to eighty six. I'll say eighty to seventy. I'll say a ten point game by the end of the game, um, and I'll say Duke wins eighty seventy. Benjamin, I, I haven't seen a sort of a favorite, but I imagine that Duke will probably end up being double digit favorite. What's that? What's that? Uh, ESPN score predictor Ma- matchup. ESPN indicator. has a seventy seven point one percent the Duke predictor that, that Duke wins this game. I that seems very fair. I haven't fair. I, I think that's probably fair and I think, you know, Mitch mentioned it, you know, Duke hasn't lost a game, a non conference game at home since two thousand and they're probably that's unbelievable. Some, that's which insane. is hard to fathom. But but I think that I I think that Indiana I don't know. I, I think Duke's gonna end up winning this game rather handily. I think they probably end up winning by fifteen somewhere around there. Right. That's kind of where my problem with this is I'm gonna take uh, ninety to sixty five <sighs> Obviously, we'll uh, we'll see you soon. We'll be there at uh, Cameron Indoor, but yeah, no good good talk. And uh, thanks again to Mitchell Gladstone of the Duke Chronicle, men's basketball beat reporter. There, uh, we will talk to you soon this week. We'll have plenty of content coming up, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.